With more than 40 million copies sold, the original classic edition of Jesus Calling is your daily guide to living a more peaceful life. Its price and size also make it the perfect gift for anyone who needs encouragement. Find Jesus Calling wherever you buy books. I learned a lesson that God never did give up on me. He could have. I was misbehaving. I was hiding. I was doing the very thing I promised I wouldn't do. And I was telling people not to do. So that's just one of the times in which God has been gracious enough to pull me back on track. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. We all make mistakes in our lives, big and small, and worry about letting people down are not living up to who we think we should be. But imagine if someone saw our mistakes, no matter how grave, and instead of chastising us, still believed in us and thought we were amazing. That's what God's grace is like. It's a kind of love that forgives us and gives us a fresh start over and over again without end. Author and pastor Max Licato shares his personal journey from soaring to the heights of success to rock bottom moments where he questioned why he was doing what he was doing. Max draws parallels between his experiences and the story of Jacob and how God's grace overflows to us even in our worst moments. Veteran comedian Jeff Allen opens up about the struggles in his life caused by addiction and the rock bottom moment that led him to seek help and how he ultimately found his way through a relationship with Christ and the unfailing grace that comes with it. Let's start with Max's story. Well, Max Locato here. I'm a pastor at the Oak Hills Church in San Antonio, Texas. I've been at the same church since 1988. My role at the church has changed a bit. I'm not senior pastor any longer. I am what we call a teaching pastor, and I love this role. It's kind of the role we have for the former senior pastor to still hang around. I get to travel with my wife. We just celebrated 42 years of marriage, and we enjoy seeing our grandkids and then also just going on fun trips. So I'm excited about this season of life. I've always been fascinated with the story of Jacob. He's the second son, the twin son of Rebecca, and Rebecca felt that God told her he would rule over her brother Esau. Now, we don't know what all transpired, but we do know that Rebekah is the one who set him up to try to trick Esau out of being firstborn. It's a fascinating cultural thing that to be firstborn meant everything. And Jacob tried to swindle Esau out of the birthright and uh, ended up on the run. And then 20 years later, was about to have an encounter with Esau for the first time. He didn't know if Esau was going to forgive him or kill him. He spent the night by the river Jabbok. He wrestled with God all night long, slippery body, slipping and falling back and forth, wrestling. And he finally thought he had defeated God or he had overcome God or that God had the blessing. And then God reached out and just touched him on the hip and down he went. It's a picture of that moment in which we're wrestling with God. But Jacob, he struggles more than he doesn't. And so many things happen to him, much of which are by his own misdoings. And yet God never gave up on him. He never did. Uh, Even after some of the most terrible events, I mean, just times in which he simply came undone and forgot who he was, forgot who God was. Yet God is still the 
one who reaches out and rescues and redeems Jacob. There are times in which we wrestle with God. And I think back on one of those seasons, you know, in my life, on the outside, it appeared everything was going great. I'm, I'm 68 years old now. When I was 50, life was chucked chug, chug, chugging along and everything was hitting on all cylinders. The church was growing. I had a brand new building. It was almost paid for. I had a celebrity status. I hate to say that, but I had a celebrity status in the country. There were times buses would come to our church. I thought I was something special. What people didn't know is that our staff was in free fall. We had ministers arguing with each other. We had good ministers resigning because of the toxic nature of the staff. And what could their senior pastor do? Well, he didn't have time to do it. He was too busy being a superstar. And I was feeling this stress, you know, of uh, trying to meet everybody's expectations, angry at the staff, book deadlines, sermon deadlines. And I have a proclivity to treat problems with alcohol. And so to treat the anxiety, I began to drive across town to a convenience store and buy a big can of beer and put it in a brown paper bag and sit out my car and drink it. And this happened, I don't know how many times, maybe a half a dozen or maybe even 10 times. And finally, on one of those occasions, I really sensed the Lord speaking to me as if he was saying, what are you doing here? What in the world are you doing? Hiding from people, driving across town, pretending you're something when you're not. And it was a wrestling with God moment. And just like Jacob was brought to his knees, I was brought to mine. And I realized that apart from God, I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't even make it through the day. And so uh, God's grace was great over me. I shared that story with our elders. I even shared it with some of our church. And the healing began. And I learned a lesson that God never did give up on me. He could have. I was misbehaving. I was hiding. I was doing the very thing I promised I wouldn't do. And I was telling people not to do. So um, it, that, that's just one of the times in which God has been gracious enough to, to pull me back on track. Uh, I can relate to Jacob. <laughs> Anytime we're doing these behind the scenes, in the shadows type of activities, that's a sign that we're, we're off the right path. And boy, we can justify it. We can explain it away. We can say it's not so bad. And that is making excuses or justifying it or promising it's not going to last long, or everybody would do it if they had my problems, or nobody gets me. You know, so secrecy and excuses. Those are the telltale signs that we're off the path. You know, in the story of Jacob, after he betrayed his brother Esau and had to take off to hide out in the highlands with his uncle Laban, that first day on the journey, when he was sleeping on a stone, here's the son of a patriarch. He didn't even have a pillow for his head. He's sleeping on the stone on the desert floor. And God appeared to him in a vision. A ladder from heaven came down. What a picture of God's grace. God found Jacob in the badlands and came to him and spoke to him. 
And God will do the same for us. I believe that God will meet us in those times. He will. He, he comes to us. He finds us, whether it's in a car in a convenience store parking lot or the desert on the way to Mesopotamia. Uh, he comes to us. He comes to us. He finds us. Be open to that. But don't dismiss him. Be obedient. Acknowledge what you've done. Find help. Confess it. Go to a circle of friends. Begin to get your life in order. Because the longer you resist him, the harder it is to accept him. Make sure you give problems to God before the problems get to you. I remember a time I uh, boarded a flight and I knew the pilot. As I got on the plane and I said, hey, Joe, how are you doing? I knew his story. I knew he flew in the Air Force. I knew he flew fighter jets. I mean, the guy was super capable. And so I took my seat and wouldn't you know it, about midway into the flight, his voice comes over the intercom saying, prepare yourself for some turbulence. It's going to be rough, but we're going to get through it. Well, you know, when I heard his voice, knowing his experience, having a personal relationship with him, I just kind of settled down. I said, yeah, okay, we'll be fine. I had a huge advantage over the rest of the passengers. You could see anxiety in their faces because it did get choppy there for a while, really up and down. But I was able to weather that with more confidence, not because there was no turbulence, but because I had a personal relationship with the pilot. We have a huge advantage. We know the pilot. We know what he has guided the church through or people through. We know he's not intimidated. We know we'll be okay. And, and so the key is not trying to live a life in which we are escaping turbulence or trying to manage the turbulence on our own. The key is making sure we know the pilot. It's an interesting time in which we live. You know, the stress and the anxiety is off the charts and most tragically manifested in the suicide rate that's the highest it's been since World War II. We're dealing with more change than ever before. The world is changing at lightning speed. There's no shame in going and receiving pharmaceutical help, and there's nothing at all to be ashamed about if you want to see a therapist on a regular basis. We got to talk this through. You see, anxiety is often the result of perceived chaos. When we think the world is spinning out of control, it keeps us awake at night. But if God is big, then our problems are small. But if our problems are big, then it usually means our perception of God is small. So make a big deal out of God. You know, spend time with Him. He's not intimidated by the condition of the world. In fact, He said that the world would get like this. And then ask him for help. Just ask him specifically in everything by prayer and petition, the scripture says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So pray about everything. Jesus listens, September 23rd, this prayer. My great God, although many of my prayers are not yet answered, I find hope in your great faithfulness. You keep all your promises in your perfect way and your perfect timing. 
You have promised to give me peace that can displace the trouble and fear in my heart. If I become weary of waiting, please remind me that you also wait so that you may be gracious to me and have mercy on me. You hold back until I am ready to receive the things you have lovingly prepared for me. And as I spend time in your presence, I rejoice in the promise that all those who wait for you are blessed. In your gracious name, amen. You can find Max Licato's new book, God Never Gives Up on You, from your favorite retailer. Stay tuned to Jeff Allen's story after a brief message. In the days that are dark, where the news isn't good, when we're looking desperately for answers or just looking to be heard, we just want someone to listen, someone to hear our fervent prayers. More than ever, people need help. More than ever, people need hope. And more than ever, people need to know that they are heard. Jesus Listens is a 365-day prayer devotional with short, heartfelt prayers based on Scripture, written to deepen your relationship with God. Learn more about Jesus Listens and download a free sample at jesuscalling.com slash jesuslistens. Our next guest is comedian Jeff Allen, the creator of the phrase, happy wife, happy life. Jeff is in his fifth decade as a working comedian, and early in his career, while he was doing the work of bringing joy to others, he battled a personal darkness, a lifelong addiction to alcoholism. Jeff shares the events of his life that culminated in seeking help over his addiction, and how he found God and His grace in the process. I'm Jeff Allen. I'm a father, a grandfather, a husband, a comedian. I do stand-up comedy, and I've been doing it since 1978. My brother was a musician. He was five years older than me, so when I was about 16, he was playing in a club in Chicago, and I saw some comedians that opened for him, and I thought, boy, that would be kind of cool to do, but it's not like they have a job fair in high school for stand-up comedy, so I had no idea what or how you you did stand-up comedy and then probably five or six years later i was working for a jewelry company and they went to a comedy club after setting up a jewelry show and i was hooked that was it and i got in uh doing comedy clubs and it really didn't get serious until i got married and had kids it was like i better start paying attention to to what i'm doing and uh, my income literally doubled in one year so apparently my DNA is wired for panic. I started drinking 13, 14 years old, I guess. And uh, from the minute I drank, I drank until my body rejected it. I threw up every time I drank. You, you think a normal human being, you know, would pour that poison into their system. And, you know, if, if I ate beets and beets made me wretch, I probably wouldn't eat another beet. But anyway, I kept drinking until I kept it down and, you know, they say alcoholics remember their first drink vividly. I was at 
my sister's wedding. And uh, the minute I took a sip of it, it was like, holy cow, I found it, the magic elixir. And as you learn in the Bible, anything apart from God that you think will make you whole usually destroys you. So it pretty much destroyed me. From the minute I picked it up to the minute I stopped, I just didn't know how to quit. I hit the age of 30, and I, I went to Alcoholics Anonymous when I was 25. Didn't stay very long. I wasn't as sick as those people. <laughs> you know, you, you hear the stories, you go, oh, boy, I got a lot more living to do. So I started back up again, and then I got married. And about a year into my marriage, one night I got on a stool in a kitchen, and I screamed at my wife in the middle of an argument till she fell to her knees, and she sobbed on the floor. And I put my son to bed that night. And he goes, Daddy, you win. I go, what do you mean I win? He goes, you yell, Mommy cries, you win. And I said, holy cow, you know, not one of my finer moments as a man. I went downstairs and told my wife I'm going to get some help from a therapist. I don't know how that works or whatever, but I got to get help. And uh, that was the start of the sobriety. I had no relationship with God. I didn't believe in God, but they said, find something in the universe bigger than you. And it's amazing how arrogant. I always said the only thing that exceeded my arrogance was my ignorance. And I couldn't think of anything bigger than me, you know, in the universe. As broken and beat up and as, <laughs> as bad as my life was, I wasn't going to get on my knees and pray to something I made up. So that kind of started me on the search. Okay, if God exists, what is it? What does that even look like? And I didn't buy the higher power thing, I thought, look, if I'm making up a deity that makes me delusional. So anyway, I, I set out through self-help, through Buddhism and New Age, and eventually wound up on Ayn Rand. I thought, well, if there is no God, then I better figure out a way to live without it. But, you know, it's funny reading Atlas Shrugged as a non-believer and then reading it again 10 years later as a believer, you realize how dark and it's just, there's, it's black and white. There's no colors in there. There's no children. There's no joy. There's no, you know, uh, nature, you know, looking at trees and the sublime. There's nothing sublime about it. It's just uh, hardcore reason down the line, black and white. And it's just very cold to me. So it was interesting how Jesus changed my lens and how I look at the world. It was interesting. They told me to pray, you know, and I did because I wanted to stay sober. I knew if I drank again, I'd lose my wife and kids. And I prayed the third step prayer, they call it. Uh, God, remove me from the bondage of myself so that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties so that victory over them, others may bear witness to thy strength, thy power, and thy way of life. And I prayed that prayer, not believing in God. I just said, I'm going to do what they tell me to do. And it's interesting. I just, you know, I drank and I loved being around comedy. I loved the whole process of stand-up comedy, but it really wasn't until I got on my knees and I said to Jesus, I'm yours, that it all kind of clicked and made sense to me. I love what I do now. I don't think I ever loved it prior to that. It became a job, which we all know that when work becomes work, unless you're doing it for the glory of God, it becomes a chore. I consider myself blessed that I had the disease of alcoholism because it got me on a journey that ultimately led to him. 
and I kind of gave him the reins 25 years ago. And I said, just give me the courage to follow your paths. And that's been kind of my mantra for 25 years. You know, there are there are just humorless people in the world. <laughs> I don't know if there's hope for them. First of all, I know for a fact, I've read this a thousand times, that if you can't make a woman laugh, she probably won't date you. So one of the most attractive things in a man from a woman's point of view is the ability to make her laugh. So it's interesting to me, you know, the Bible's clear on it. Uh, a laughter does good like a medicine. But I never realized it until men, you know, would come over to me with their wife would go to the bathroom and they'd have tears in their eyes and say, it's the first time they've heard their wife laugh in two years. And I, I fell in love with my wife because of her laugh. Her laugh is so important to my well-being. God knows the world is broken. This world is broken. And he has charged us with repairing a broken world. And that's our tikkun olam. So find your tikkun olam. What are you going to do to help repair the broken world? That could be a smile, you know, that could be um, a prayer, a, a prayer ministry would be great. If I can heal through laughter, that's wonderful, you know. I have a daily prayer, a morning prayer and an evening prayer, and then we pray at dinner. And that's how we connect prior to this relationship. I was I was a lunatic, you know, I smashed things, broke things, and, um, and was snotty and sarcastic and bitter, jaded, cynical, nihilist. Pray to Jesus and ask him to show you what he sees in your heart. What do you see in my heart? And uh, be ready because there'll be things revealed to you that uh, you never thought you could possibly be that dark and sinister. That's what I am without my prayers. You have no control over much of today, so... But you can just put one foot in front of the other and smile at your fellow man and go, it'll get better. That's all. Just it'll pass. Whatever you're experiencing right now, it'll pass. Trust me. Just pray. You know, stop where you're at. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. You can talk to him without moving your lips. And the Holy Spirit will speak. This is from Sarah Young's prayer devotional, Jesus Listens. And it's dated August 6th. Dearest Jesus. Whenever I wander away and leave you out of my life, I no longer feel complete. The restlessness I experience in these times is actually a gift from you, reminding me to return to my first love. I need to make you central in my thoughts and feelings, my plans and actions. When you are the center of my life, I'm able to live meaningfully, according to your will. You have set my feet on a pathway to heaven, and you are my constant companion. When I encounter trouble as I journey with you, I love to hear your words of reassurance. Take heart. I have overcome the world. O Lord, in your presence, I am indeed safe, secure, and complete. In your victorious name, amen. To learn more about Jeff, please visit jeffallencomedy.com. And be sure to check out his new book, Are We There Yet? My Journey from a Messed Up to a Meaningful Life, at your favorite retailer. If you'd like to hear more stories about God's grace, Check out our interview with Michael Jr. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we'll hear from author and influencer Madison Pruitt-Trout, who you may remember from ABC's The Bachelor. 
Madison shares her unlikely journey to find love and how her season of singleness gave her an opportunity to be closer to God than ever. It is possible to know the love of God and it's possible to like yourself, maybe even love yourself and to also navigate the matrix of relationships with confidence and with hope and to look to your future with joy because every single one of us were made from love and made for love. Thanks for listening to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Every week, we'll bring you stories from people who share their journeys of faith and how prayer and a relationship with God transformed their lives. Be sure to follow us on Apple Music, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And leave us a review so others can be inspired weekly by these stories of faith. Finally, you can find encouragement, resources, and more on the Jesus Calling website at JesusCalling.com.